0: Hello and welcome to Man on a Clapham Omnibus Sport Review. Today I'm going to do a podcast about the decline in stature of the FA Cup and what can be done to save it. Every year you have journalists, you have television pundits and you have the wider fan base bemoan the state of the FA Cup and that it's declined stature and that it says, and that I suppose the underlying argument is that it shows, you know, all that is negative about modern football and what is bad about it—that it's too commercial, that you know, the romanticism of the game has been you know, drowned out by corporate interests and by you know stats and by all these other bits and pieces accoutrements to the modern game—and what these arguments never really, to my mind, do is really. Understand why the FA Cup had such a huge cultural symbolism in English football in the 20th century. And what these arguments never do is they never seem to posit a way how it can be reformed, how the FA Cup can be saved. So, and this is what this podcast is aiming to do let's reform cup competitions in English football. So, the key question to start off with is really. What precipitated the decline in the stature of the FA Cup? I've always argued that the FA Cup had a stature that was actually larger than it should have been. It, it, was an over, it played an oversized part in English football. And really what that comes down to is how football was televised from the 50s until really the 1980s. Is that if you were watching football in England, in that time period, more than likely it was going to be an FA Cup game, a European game, or an England game. So as a result, generations of people grew up watching FA Cup games on television. That's when you were able to see it. You know, When Match Day first started, it it was like Ron's Hill. It was exactly what it said on the tin. It was... The match of the day. They just showed you highlights of one game. And so really, as an unintended consequence of the rise in televised football and televised league football, was is that league football became more accessible and became more important to the wider casual fan. You know There was an easy narrative behind it. You had the big clubs in the 80s. You had Everton. You had Liverpool. You had... Spurs. You then had Arsenal, and then in the nineties you had the rise of the Sir Alex Ferguson, Manchester United, Behemoth. You then had improved facilities in terms of stadiums after the Taylor Report, and so as a result, the rise in, you know, attendance for league games naturally really led to a decline for attendances for FA Cup games. What the FA Cup used to be was a fantastic marketing tool to get the casual fan interested in football. So in other words, your casual fan didn't turn up for 42 league games, 46 league games. The FA Cup was where they could go to a game and they knew the narrative behind it. You were only ever three, four, five, six games away from Wembley from winning something. That's what captured people's imagination. And that's why the the casual fan would turn up to those games. So you look at all of the old stadiums, your Upton Park, your White Hart Lanes, Main Road, usually if you look at their highest attendance figure, it's usually a cup game. That's when you could get 15,000, 20,000 extra people cramming through the gates to watch the game. And that was, you know, unsustainable. And with, you know, the rise in... You know, I suppose the rise in standards. It's yeah. You know, the key question is: is that a bad thing? So you've had a rise in attendances. You know, it's a more compelling narrative. It's meritocratic. You've forced improvements in the standards, so you have improvements in youth development, new stadium. You know, you've had an improvement in coaching standards, and where this is seen more than anything else, is in the championship. And I'm going to use the championship in Division One as you know because there's been name changes. So previously it'd been Division Two, it's Division One. That's the championship. So just for clarity, I'm going to call it Division One in the championship. The rise in league football means that the championship is more important. It's more interesting, because the differences between Division 1 and Division 2 back in the day was that there was a glamour of Division 1. You had your big clubs, your top six, your Everton, your Spurs, all the rest of it. And Division 2, now Division 1 Championship, was a backwater. It wasn't televised. You really had the relegation battle and the top of the table. There was no playoffs. So the vast majority, let's say the middle 10-12 teams, you weren't going up, you weren't going down. You were in stasis. And so naturally the FA Cup became such an... It was basically an equaliser. A holiday from mediocrity. It was a way that your season could mean something. You could go on a cup run. You could you know, get more fans, more money. It could be a way of salvaging your season and building for the next year. Whereby now the FA Cup is a distraction. It's keep getting you away because you've already played 46 league games. You're trying to get into the Premier League. You're not just trying to you know, get a few more thousand people through the gates. A bit more money, a bit more interest. Because you've had teams like right now. You've had Wolves. who used to be in League One a few years ago. They're now, not just they're in the last stages of European competition... They're now competing to try and get into the Champions League. You've had Leicester get to the quarterfinals of the Champions League. They've won the league. They're now you know, competing for the league this year. Albeit miles behind Liverpool. So is everybody else. And so these teams, because of the improvements... You know, the improvements in coaching. The new ideologies. Now, you've had a situation where the top two managers... Right now, in the Championship, are Marcelo Beazla and Slavon Bilic. Slavon Bilic has managed in European Championship games for Croatia. He's managed in the Premier League. He's managed in Turkey. This is someone who's had you know, a high-level coaching career who's now in the Championship. You know, Marcelo Bielsa is one of the most important ideological managers of the past 30 years. In terms of the impact he's had on Pochettino, the impact he's had on Guardiola and just football in general. And he's managing at least in the championship. Now, with the ideologies, you have Brentford who have you know in you know, cutting their youth team and their youth system, going with a B team that just picks up, you know, seventeen, twenty one year olds who've been you know, released by other clubs and then having friendlies and getting them, you know, literally if you do well in the B team, you've got a shot of going into the first team and then being sold on if you make it. You know, and in a scouting philosophy of picking up young, talented players from the French League, from different parts of Europe, it's as I've said, it's more interesting. And as a result, the FA Cup can't match that level of competition, that narrative focus that actually Brentford going, trying to get into the Premier League, trying to get £150 million. You can't really match the playoffs in terms of the playoff. final, the semi-finals, and the, the money and the and the significance in terms of the Premier League now being globalized. You know, if you got into division 1 in the 60s and 70s and 80s that was great. It was a you got a little bit more money and you got a bit more stature, but it was broadly cosmetic. If you get into the Premier League now, you become globalized. Your team is watched all across the world. And the difference that that makes, you know, in terms of The bottom line in terms of your brand and everything else that comes with that. So this is a good point in the podcast to really do a deep dive into the political and socio-economic importance of the FA Cup in England, English football in the 20th century. So I'm going to take a left-wing viewpoint and a right-wing viewpoint. The left-wing viewpoint sees the FA Cup as redistributive and as a unifier. So the state, i.e. the FA, allowed small, medium teams from geographically diverse and underprivileged areas a success subsidy. Now, see the league at this in this juncture as being the the free market. If you do well, you go to the top division you make the money if you you have the size and the scale in terms of the stadium infrastructure management players all the rest of it you will go to the top if you win you keep winning your games you will go from division 4 3 2 1 and you'll win and the way how football works and you know and this is across the board in different countries different continents you will have you know a cartel of you know 5 6 teams who are bigger stronger and you know really Hoover up the majority of the trophies in a smaller country let's say take Scotland you'll have a big two you know Rangers and Celtic whereby the FA Cup was state run and it had tariffs that negated the advantages of the big six cartel effectively the FA Cup Served as a, as in a way as a tax on the top division teams. In other words, you were funding non-league teams. And it was a way of a method of uplifting working class teams to middle class status. It's a way of maintaining social cohesion. In other words, the lowest point of the football pyramid would still have a chance to rise up using the FA Cup as a way of making money, and it was making money effectively off of top teams. In other words, the top teams would get the huge gates, 50,000, 60,000 people a week coming through the turnstiles. The FA Cup was a way of taking some of that money out. In other words, the big attendances were your FA Cup games, where you were able to get more people into it. It was a way of bringing everyone into the, you know, the tent, as it were. In other words, if you take an FA Cup third round game, let's say Yeovil versus Manchester United at Old Heys Park, which had a huge slope, let's say the pitch was an absolute bog. You know the referee has a nightmare game. It was a way that Yeovil would be able to beat Manchester United, which is, in its in of itself, ridiculous. If Man United gets sixty five thousand people every single week, and you will get 3,000 people a week if their players are semi-pro and United's are the best of the best who are professional and train every day. There shouldn't be a world in which one beats the other unless you've created a system where it's a one-off game, where actually, you know, then one time out of a 100 happens. And that's what the FA Cup was a way of doing. It was a way of getting your Sunderland, your Portsmouth, a way to use that as a... A way to get, not just local glory, but a way to get up into Division 1. A way to compete with those big clubs who have the natural advantages of size, of scale. And it maintained social cohesion. It brought people together. In other words, the big teams would have to go to the little teams. They would have to share the gate receipts. It was just, it was, in that way, a positive. It was a way of... Way of taxing the big teams and benefiting the medium teams. In other words, the FA Cup's greatest success really was for sixty odd years, you couldn't do the League and Cup. You couldn't win you could win one, you could win the other, you couldn't win the same at the same year. It took a fantastically brilliant Spurs team under Billy Nicholson to do it. In other words, the FA Cup was always won by somebody else you know, it could be a smaller team, it could be a big team, but the whole point was is that you couldn't dominate the football market. And the only team that were able to in the first sixty years was Tottenham. Yeah, you know, Arsenal in seventy one achieved it. But that was it. You that was there were two outlying seasons. And it was really only until you got to the eighties and the nineties where the independence of the FA Cup as a standalone tournament started to really fold into the economic realities. So, why don't we take, then, the right-wing viewpoint? It sees the FA Cup as a means of social control in the 20th century. It was a safety valve to negate any unrest at the rigid hierarchy and the natural success of the Big Six. So, in other words, in its... On sense it was meritocratic. In other words, if you were good enough on the day, you went through to the next round. And it was a, an effective marketing strategy. It created commodity football games and increased revenue to parts of the market that league football was unable to reach. Like I've said, your Yeovils, your Bristols, your Hulls, your Carlisles. All of these places that football team and the market wasn't good enough or big enough to sustain first division football which is what captured people's imagination which got the huge attendances the FA Cup was a way of creating in very small bursts a way of getting money and way of making money off of football and spreading the power of football across the whole countries so instead of it being something that was focused on cities i.e. Birmingham, the wider Midlands area, Liverpool, Manchester, London. It was a way in short term to get you know money into Hull, into all the other bits of the country that weren't usually able to access the financial dividend that football gives, professional football gives. You know, it sees the final as patentry, which collectively brought the nation to celebrate the paternalistic and nationalist conception of the country in other words the FA runs football and the football league runs it and it is the it's the establishment the final is played at the Wembley which up until the 50s and 60s was known as the Empire Stadium you know you have the idea of you know the result being final you know the worship of wembley it brings the country together it sees you know clubs ascending to the middle class you know not as a result of government subsidy you know which is what the left would argue but as a result of their marketing strategy in other your market strategy in other words if you were good enough and you won the fa cup and you then won the league that's because you had good management and that's because you used the profits from your cup run to build a new stand, to get a better manager, to get better players, and you've then, you know, in the most meritocratic sense of the word, you were too good to be in Division 2, you then got promoted to Division 1. So, in some ways, how that impacts modern football today is that the decline in, relative decline in the stature of the league. Cup and the FA Cup as a means of success and socio-economic mobility for clubs, it's really unmoored both fans and owners, whereby you used to have a situation where the FA Cup winning that was a standalone achievement that was massive and was very important, it's now less so. In other words, you know, Tottenham. You know, people would always say to me in the last four or five years, you know, under Pochettino, "Oh, you really need to win a cup." As if that would legitimise the success that they'd had, and it felt to me that really the the argument was this: is that they'd got they'd gone from being a mid-table team that occasionally got to FA Cup semi-finals in the nineties and early two thousands to one that was. In the top four, that was playing you know, top-level European football, that was competing for the league, and that was you know, trying to win the Champions League, without ever having needed to win the FA Cup. And in a way, the decline of the FA Cup, even as pageantry, it shows the fractured nature of you know, Great Britain. You, you have increased English nationalism, you have independence movements in Scotland, in Wales... you can the FA Cup no longer brings everyone to their TV sets at 3 p.m. on a sat on, you know the second saturday in may in some respects what you what you need to what the FA Cup needs really is a way of negating some of the worst bits of the inequality so if we take the, the last FA Cup final, where a somewhat weakened Man City team annihilated mid table Watford, you know, you have the situations where you still have these magical cup runs. Take Bradford getting to the League Cup final a few years ago. You know, Mill getting to the FA Cup final and Burton getting to the you know League Cup semi finals. Mill was just maybe more of an outlier. That was just no luck of the draw. They were a you know, they didn't play a huge amount of Premier League teams in the semi final. They played Sunderland, who were at the time going for a promotion. Take Burton and Bradford, in other words, because Premier League teams and Division One and Championship Division One teams to a lesser extent, the the financial benefit of getting promoted on staying in the Premier League dwarfs any financial benefit from a cup run which didn't used to be the, the case in the second half of the 20th century and because lower league teams improvement in coaching and infrastructure they're having success you know on their merits you know Bradford beating you know, Villa over two links Arsenal that was because they played good football you know they at performing themselves on the day. There was still enough talent within Villa and within Arsenal to have beaten Bradford. But the problem is, as Watford have discovered, eventually the inequality comes to the fore. So Burton ended up getting to a semi-final. Brilliant, what a wonderful achievement. Played Man City reserves, lost the first game, you know, what was it, 8-0, 9-0. Eventually, if you lose a cup tie, you know, 11-1. 10-1. You lose a cup final 7-0. You no, know, Bradford got absolutely annihilated by Swansea. Barely got a shot on target the entire game. In some ways, it... cheapens it to a certain extent. In that What's the point of going on the magical cup run if eventually you get to the semi-final and be annihilated by someone? In other words... Yes, you have luck of the draw and all the rest of it and anyone can win on their day, but you no longer have terrible pitches. You no longer have, you know, small squads, tired squads. You know, you have teams like Man City, which have you know, massive squads, brilliant youth players. It eventually <laughs> the gap between the top six and everybody else and which is especially shown in championship teams against League One, League Two. It simply sh- you know just highlights the inequality, which I think really upsets fans. I think it's something that really just brings at home the differences in you know the finances and you know the corporatization. Yeah. But all is not lost we have to do as football fans is really ask the question of what do we want from our cup competitions we want stories, we want excitement we want David versus Glutz we want cup shops cup shops we want a cultural and historical link to our collective sporting past we want hope, we want belief in the glory and at it's deepest we want glory we want to really you know, want our teams to walk up the steps of Wembley and hoist the trophy aloft you, know, you want the socio you know political socio economic benefits of the cup the unifier a way of linking the professional and the amateur sides of the games and of bringing the regions and the cities together and so really how you do that you need to streamline You need to give the Cups a clear identity and a purpose. uh, A narrative arc. So what I would propose is merging the League Cup and the English Football League trophy. I'd remove Europa League qualification from the winners of that tournament. And Premier League teams would, up to the semi-finals... Would have to play an under twenty three team with maybe let's say two or three spots for overage players. So really, what you're doing is you're moving the Europa League spot from the winners of the League Cup to the league. So whoever finishes sixth would now be guaranteed Europa League football, which I think would be beneficial for our coefficient. And really, you know, I like the idea of what they try to do with the EFL Trophy. In other words, allowing you know under twenty one teams from the Premier League to play in that tournament as a way of getting young players firstly playing time, and and you know a way of trying to bridge the gap between upper ends of youth football and the professional man's game. I think it was the right idea. I think it was poorly executed in that you know, traditionally the early rounds of the you know. EFL Trophy, because that's, you know, really it's League 1 teams, League 2 teams. The attendance was never great. It was always midweek football, it wasn't the League Cup, it wasn't the FA Cup, it was just, you want to win it to get to, let's say, the semis and the final, because you could get to Wembley, but obviously if you've got 48 teams, you've only, at best, really got a 1 in 50 shot at it, more often than not, you're going to be knocked out fairly you know, early on, and you'd be more interested in you know, trying to get promoted or trying to get a proper cup run where you can go to you know, Anfield, Old Trafford. Now, if you have the League Cup, what you're doing is you're taking, you're forcing Man City and forcing the top six teams to actually play their young players, to play the Phil Foden's, the you know Carl Walker Peters. Now, we've seen the advantages this season with Chelsea playing their young kids, which may never have happened. Had they not had that transfer ban. So why don't we literally force these managers to play the kids? And so that means that your you know, mid-table Premier League clubs, there's an incentive for them to focus on youth development. Because firstly, every single year, you are guaranteed those players are going to have meaningful playing time. You know, you can bring back extra time because you're not now worried about burning out your first team players. They're not going to be playing. You know, your three overage players are more than likely going to be your bench players. People that have played less than 25% of your minutes. You can even put that in the rule book. You can say, yeah, you can have three overage players, but they can have only played in, let's say, 40%, 25%, 30% of your games. Anything more than that, they first teamers, they can't play. And then that then gives the opportunity for your lower league teams to get to Wembley meaningfully. So, because up until the semi-finals, you're not going to be facing the absolute cream of you know the Premier League. You're, you're going to be facing young players. So that if you're mid-table in the Championship or mid-table in the Premier League, you've got a shot of getting to Wembley. And you can actually win. And the point is, is that if you've got an under twenty three team, Premier League team that's got to the semi finals, why would you drop those players if they've come that far and if they've beaten professional outfits in front of actual proper crowds, not nine hundred people midweek at, you know, G- Colchester or Gillingham, where it's actually more than likely you're going to get a bigger crowd because you're only ever three, four games away from Wembley from a two legged semi final. And it acts as an actual leveler, and so as a result, you you're literally sitting. If you're going to go to these games, and if you, you're going to be seeing the future, so you can price the tickets like that. You know, we're not in. You know, there's so much money sloshing around the championship between around the Premier League, that you can afford to treat it as a a way of just getting, you know, young fans. You can give them away to schools. You don't have to make a huge profit off of it. And really, to finish up on the League Cup. Some of the best games I've seen in the League Cup this year was the Liverpool-Arsenal game, where Liverpool played just their kids. Arsenal played a few of their kids. It was, you know... That ended 5-0. And it was such a wonderful game because you saw just how much talent and how interesting and how open the game was because they both took it seriously but they still had such an energy that you don't usually get in league games. So to an extent, some FA Cup games. It was just two teams going hammer and nails at it knowing that one of them was going to go through. And that the benefit was is that you saw... The potential. It's like you know the last, you know third round set of ties last weekend. What was so interesting was all the young players that made their debut and got hat tricks, and just how happy they were. And it, one of the things I got from that crowd from the Liverpool Arsenal game is just how much everyone enjoyed it. It was literally you just saw all of the positives of League Cup. It was a one-off. You could have, you know, you could have a crazy game like that. And just enjoy, you know, what young talent can do. We're so used to, you know, the pressure. Let's say you bring them on in a league game with ten minutes to go with a one nil lead, you know, just how much fear there is, and that when you take that fear and just actually let them play and see the joy that young people get playing football, it it's more important to have that than to sit there and say we're taking it properly seriously, because actually clubs haven't done that, you know, and they've. You know, you've had weakened teams, and by taking away, I mean take a look at one of the things they've done with the league cup. It used to be, every single tie up until the final was two legs. Okay, so they removed the uh, second leg from the quarterfinals, the third round. I uh, sorry, the fourth round, but they kept it in for the third round as a way of getting money into the, you know, some of the lower league teams as a redistributed measure. Then that got taken away, but don't worry, it's fine. You have replays. Well, then that got taken away. Okay, but don't worry, but then you have extra time and penalties. And then they took away extra time. And at this point you had a situation where Colchester were, you know, two or three games away from the semi-finals having drawn 0-0 against, you know, Palace and won the penalty shootout, drawn 0-0 against Spurs, won the penalty shootout. So you you have to have a, you can't have a way where an outfit can get all the way to a semi-final potentially a final. Having never scored, you know, it's you know, you're playing Premier League teams that were making eight, nine, ten, eleven changes, and all you had to do was keep it tight at the back. If they don't score, you can you know, nick it on the penalties by bringing back extra time by making it you know far more open. And so, you know, because there's no European football on it, you can just play for the love of the game. You know, you have the chance that. You know, a big you know League One team or a mid-table championship team can decide. Okay, we're not getting promoted. We're not getting relegated. Let's go for the cup. you know, you can then get that level of interest, and you can keep the ticket prices cheap. <laughs> so really, we now move on to how you would reform the FA Cup. What the proposal is? For me, I think the FA Cup third round needs a better billing. I think the first week in January. You have poor weather. You have people that are short on cash after Christmas. It doesn't have that magical feel to it that it once did. Before you know, you really had the rise in the Champions League to an extent the Europa League, and the sort of coverage that you could get of you know the Spanish league, the Italian league. I would argue putting the FA Cup third round the weekend before Christmas would be a better billing. In other words, what you're doing is you're putting it into the sporting calendar. You know the weekend before Christmas, it's third round day. So you might even have, you know, every few years you'd have the third round on Christmas Eve. So everyone's got are just about to have time off. You know, it's a time when families come together. You know, often people will go the weekend before to get go home. And that's the way how you could do it. You could then ensure that all of the games are broadcast, yeah, whether it be on T V, whether it be online, you know, you're creating sort of a March Madness appeal. Now March Madness is college basketball. So you have the top sixty-four teams, college teams, and they play off against each other. So you have four different brackets in four different cities. So what you have is you have the you know, one through sixteen in each of these subsections of the draw. So 16 plays one, uh, 15 plays two, and all of them are staggered over the whole day. And so there's always two or three shocks. And what happens is you just, you watch a bit of one game, okay, it's a blowout, you move on to the next one. So you're constantly scoreboard watching. You know, you could have something like the NFL red zone, where simply you have whatever the next goal that goes in, you see the highlights of it. And so it's appointment viewing. You could you could then do it in a way that allows, you know, creates a family tradition because you have cheap tickets. So okay, if we get a third round home tie, we'll all go to the football, or we'll sit at home and watch it. You know, with the Christmas tree, it's so so much more positive, and it's a way you know because what I would then add into that is to again enforce. You know, some rules on playing young players for Premier League teams. Maybe not quite as stringent as the League Cup. But what I would add into that is that in the League Cup, those rules are absolutely sacrosanct. You break them, you're out of the tournament. I would make it far softer in the FA Cup. So you can break the rules, but then there's punishments for transgressing. So let's say... Um, you end up in a situation like Jose did on um, Sunday. It was Spurs versus, uh, Middlesbrough versus Spurs. And I wanted Jose to pick some of the young players that we have, give them 90 minutes, see how good they are. And it was a perfect game to do it. You know, Middlesbrough away, they're a decent side, but they are you know, they're on a good run of form, but they are not world beaters. You know, you could have played wan Fife in centre mid, seen what he can do, you know, Carl walker pieces all the rest of it. But in the end, he ended up playing the same, you know, basically usual starting eleven, and it was the worst of all worlds. The young players didn't get any playing time. The starting, the senior starting eleven had a hard ninety minutes on a somewhat difficult pitch, cold, lots of travelling, and they didn't win the game, so you didn't get any confidence boost out of that. But they also have a replay, and it was just so frustrating. Okay, suppose that Jose desperately wants to win and doesn't play any of the young players. So let's say maybe in the next round, you'd have to play a fully under-23 team. Or if you then, or at the next stage of it, let's say, instead you have a mandatory away tie, the highest-ranking team left in the draw. So maybe for me, I would have a situation where, let's say, you have to play a uh, five... Yeah, f- uh, okay, maybe... Five outfield players have to be, you know, you've developed or under 23. or, And if you decide to have a senior goalkeeper, you have to have six outfield players. So what you're doing is you're making it tactical. You're making people decide, you know, how they're going to utilise it. Do they decide to play a senior goalkeeper which means that actually you have to have more under 23s or do you decide that actually you're going to have a young goalkeeper which then gives you an extra outfield player you know to use it. so you, you have to start with let's say five or six players but you can have all of the, your quality players you know your, your, your standard first teamers on the bench you no know, and until the semi-finals once you get to the semi-finals at Wembley you set piece you can play your first team now, I'd make I'd reimagine the FA Cup as a mixture of tradition and hope for the future. So you have all the traditions, your third round, the luck of the draw, giant killings, but you're also giving the young players, the young English quantified players, actual meaningful playing time. You know, I'd make retro mandatory. That plays on it. That plays on its history. And I think this is the bit where. You know, I'd remove replays, I'd have guaranteed results, so that you have extra time, that you have penalties, that you know the whole of the, of the third round means by the end of the day, everyone knows where they're at, everyone knows that they're in the draw for the next round. You can do the draw Christmas Eve for the fourth round, you know, in the evening, that's just those bits and pieces marketing it, you know, both comp- cup competitions, as seeing the next generation of stars. You know, being able to watch cup shots as it happens, instead of seeing it on Match of the Day with the highlights on YouTube. So that if you did see, you know, a game where... Because you know, so often you've had a situation where, like, I remember one time where like, for like 10 years, Manchester United were always... Every single one of their FA Cup games was shown, even if it was a game that had no interest... Or, so you'd have let's say Manchester United versus Derby. So Derby are mid you know mid to upper, you know, Division One championship team. So they're good and it wouldn't be a huge giant killing. And you and if it's especially if it's at Old Trafford, you know, United would you know drop four or five players, still win three nil, and yet you'd have some wonderful cup tie. let's say, you know, Newcastle struggling away at Shrewsbury. Whereby if you showed all of these games on you know online, you could say actually I don't care about Man you being freeing him up. I want to see the last twenty minutes of Newcastle struggling to, you know, get an equaliser, or to see if you know Shrewsbury can finish the job off. You no know, you can see the power that young players have on football fans. You know, with Harry Kane, the one of our own, you know, the huge amount of love that Chelsea fans have for, you know, what Lampard's doing in bringing these players through. And that Chelsea fans who are generally known for being fairly, you know, truculent, fairly, you know, you know quick to, to jump on players. You know, let's take you know, Jorginho and Sari last season as an example of how much frustration anger could be, you know, shown very quickly. Is that things can completely change, you know, the one of our own appeal. And that's what you have to add into the FA Cup. As well as its tradition, that's where the reimagining comes from. Now, I think a decent number of people would agree with some of the points I've made. Now, what I'm going to do is my final proposal for the FA Cup is wildly controversial. What the FA Cup does is bring people together, and we've seen, you know, from the way how it's going in the last few years, that that's no longer the case. And you know parts of Great Britain and you know, Northern Ireland, things are somewhat breaking apart, and that's because of the the politics of Brexit, any number of things. Football is not going to solve that, but it can bring people together in a more positive way. So what I would do is is that on a yearly basis, I would admit teams from Scotland, Republic of Ireland, Northern Ireland, and Wales at different stages of the cup, depending on relative ability. Um, let's say for the Republic of Ireland and Northern Ireland, they'd always be the away side. So, you're exporting cup fever. So, in other words, let's say you take... You know, the thing is, if you look at the teams from Republic of Ireland in their European results, especially Wales as well, they're not as bad as you think they are. And the thing is, let's say you're only ad- adding half a dozen, maybe ten teams. What you're doing is giving these people the opportunity you know, for the players to make their names, for the managers to make their names. You're only ever going to be two games away from, let's say, playing at Anfield, playing at the Emirates, Stamford Bridge. You know, you're creating a whole new part of cup fever. You know, Increased viewership, romantic possibilities for unheralded teams. You know the players on those teams are going to be fully committed. You know, Nobody is going to want to lose to Barrytown. No one's going to want to lose to Total Network Solutions or Glen Torren. You could have a situation where you could let Queen's Park in in the first round. They'll probably get hammered. But if you get in a way tight Queen's Park, you get to go and play at Hamden Park. You've got a chance of cup shocks. These teams have done quite well in Europe. And if that works, and if you get cup shots, if you get these places that you know don't usually get interested that much in football, but if they you know let's say Total Network Solutions do really well, win a couple of games, you could get more interest, more people from Wales, more people from Republic of Ireland, Northern Ireland, away fans traveling to these places there's so many possibilities and okay the people will say oh that's against history but well actually we've let Welsh teams in historically we've let Scottish teams in you know the only reason that you know northern ireland and republic of ireland teams is that when the cup was first being you know imagined there wasn't really professional football in even northern ireland or republic of ireland which really leads on to the final part of my reimagining a proposal for the FA Cup would be I would let American teams in. If you want to increase interest and marketability, we're living in a globalized sporting world because the world itself is globalizing. You can't argue against it. It's not something that's going to stop any time soon. Now Where things are going right now is it's leading to, you know, let's say take La Liga. They're trying to get a couple of games played out in America because they know that. And the idea is if we'll take a Barcelona out, we'll take a Real Madrid out there. And if we go to, let's say, Miami in Florida, where there's a big Spanish speaking population, that's a way of getting La Liga. More people watching it as opposed to the Premier League. And I'm against it. I don't think it's right. So this would be a countervail to it. Instead of taking FA Cup games and playing them in America, which wouldn't have the same atmosphere, wouldn't have the same meaning. You let them come to us. And that's you then get part of the passionate football culture, the magic and the importance of the FA Cup. It creates interest. It creates controversy. Now I imagine there's a load of you know fans of you know League One, League Two clubs saying, "Well, this is this is an outrage. They're not good enough." Okay, beat them then. If it turns out that let's say, so how I would probably do it would be this. I'd say maybe because there's there's three divisions in American. Let's we'll call it soccer, and uh, like USFL, MLS, and the league. So I'd have, let's say, in the first round, I would have, let's say, the top six or eight teams. And it'd always be the away team. And, you know, they would then drop into the first round if they go through, great, so on and so forth. If they get knocked out, get knocked out. Second round, I'd add another eight teams from the next level up. And then in the third round, I'd let, let's say, the top ten MLS teams into the third round. If they all get battered, you can ne- you don't have to ever have to do it again but you're giving teams the chance the point is is that if you are a Glen Torren fan you never dream in your wildest thing that you'd play a competitive FA Cup game at Anfield yes you pre preseason friendlies and it's never the same it's never that important but this really gives you that opportunity it gives the chance for you know these places in America to get cup fever especially if it's yet yeah, say, You know, New York Cosmos, the team of Pele, the team of Beckenbauer. Let's say they enter in the first round and they win. They win in the second round. And finally, on Christmas Eve, they're playing away at Anfield. And they score in the first five minutes in front of the cop. You're going to have all of these players whose dream it is to play at the highest level, to break into Europe. They're not going to be half-assed. They're not going to make 11 changes. This is going to be one of the biggest games in this, you know, the new club's history. It's reimagining the magic of the FA Cup. These teams would never have imagined in a million years that they'd have that opportunity. You know, We've always... It would reaffirm the FA Cup as one of the most important and prestigious cup competitions in the world. We, we've always sold it, and I've, when you're a kid, you never question it. When people would then say, oh, well, the FA Cup is the most important you know, cup competition, the oldest, and so on and so forth, and it's watched in 50, 60, 70, 80 countries, worldwide audience, you never questioned it. And yet, really, in so many ways, it's such an arrogant presumption. That somehow the rest of the world would stop what they were doing just to watch you know Middlesbrough versus Chelsea in ninety-seven or you know, Sunderland versus Liverpool in nineteen ninety-two, as if somehow their cup competitions, their league football, wasn't somehow uninteresting in comparison to watching one game at Wembley. But if it did make that difference if then suddenly let's say you do the Americans, and you think is you would not be doing the Americans every single year be that every four years maybe you know you might have a situation where one year a bunch of Brazilian teams so let's say you have maybe three or four Brazilian teams get into the FA Cup what's the harm it's a globalized world if it doesn't work then you don't have to try it, but at least you're doing something to actually really make the FA Cup a global tournament you know I mean, you can be critical, and you may disagree fundamentally on what I'm saying, on what I'm advocating. But really, what I'm saying is, this was a way that you could actually really reaffirm that the FA Cup is a global event. You know, we're putting the third round, you know, the weekend before Christmas. It's a new, better tradition. Because that's the whole point of traditions, is they are malleable. You know every tradition is new and you know there's always you know if you look back in history there's always been times where people have criticized these changes saying oh that's against everything and soon but within 5 10 15 years actually that becomes a tradition in of itself you know, to finish this podcast what i need what i want to say is for me the fa cup is about magic it's about All the things you dream of as a kid. The improbable, the impossible, happening. And the only way that this tournament can survive meaningfully is if you grasp that. And if you try and spread the magic as far as you possibly can. And if you understand the importance of tradition, but understand the importance of hope and the future. The FA Cup can be saved. Thank you for listening.